This is MJ. Join me as I discuss Common Writer O's. This is another Writer Cast, episode 12. Common Writer O's aired from uh, September 5th, 2010 until August 28th, 2011. The uh, first episode was called Metals Underwear and uh, Mysterious uh, Arm, or The Mysterious Arm, sorry. And the uh, second episode was called uh, Desire, Ice Pops, and Presents. And, hmm, oh, I get it, Presents, that makes sense. Both of them were written by Yasuko Kobayashi of Kamen Rider Ryuki fame and directed by Ryuta Tasaki. The opening theme of Common Rider O's is a song called Anything Goes, which is like a fun ska song. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the lyricist was uh, Fujibayashi Shoko. The composer was uh, Tatsuo, apparently. Uh, Anna Ranger, the first one, uh, was, well, it seems to be, hold on, let me see, actually. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh, Nakagawa Kotaro as the one for the uh, the oh, TV version, and Nakagawa Kotaro did the brass arrangement, apparently, which I didn't know. I guess there's the trumpets in it, so that makes sense. And the uh, singer was uh, Oguromaki and Radi hmm, for the uh, Lantis version. Interesting. Yeah, so I, I probably go into way too much detail in the music, even though I don't necessarily understand what all that means. Uh, suit actors, we have Seiji Takawa for Common Rider O's. Um, let's see, who will I... Re- There's somebody else I can tell you. Oh, so the greed that we meet are Uva, Kazari, uh, Gamal, Mazul, and um, Uva was played by Kazuya Okola. Kazari, or Kazali, was played by Watanabe Jun. Uh, Gamal, or Gamal, was played by uh, Takata Masashi. And Mazul was played by Fujita Satoshi which I don't know if I talked about um, Fujita Satoshi in the last episode or not, so I'm just going to check on that real quick because I think that would be interesting. And uh, no, no, so Mazul is a... So he is a man. Um, Fujita Satoshi is a man, and it is not the same suit actor, which is the lady suit actor who played... um, the character, uh, the Dopont uh, Taboo. The premise of Kamen Rider O's is that this Kogami guy who's super rich um, and is obsessed with desire and birthdays and birth of things and cake. Anyway, uh, he has put, well, he had some relics from 800 years ago of these things called greed that were sealed in the sarcophagus. One of them gets out and manipulates Hino Eiji, who's a nice wanderer hobo type guy, and uh, they get into this weird toxic relationship where they're both kind of using each other. Ankh, uh, this arm thing that floats around, which is a greed, or part of a greed, um, wants Eiji to help him harvest more core metals and probably the metals of his fellows so he can steal them and use them. In fact, he's holding on to one of them in the uh, first and second episodes, and uh, Eiji wants to use the power of O's to help people um, from suffering and dying, which the more suffering and Dying that happens, the more the greed are benefited, and it's this really weird, twisted relationship. So Common Rider O's has kind of an eclectic cast. Uh, we've got Hino Eiji, who's kind of a simple guy, 
nice guy. Um, he cares about people and he makes sure to put other people before himself. And it looks like he has a tragic backstory that we would get into later in the series. Uh, and then there's Ankh, who is selfish. He's literally a monster. And he is possessing the body of the detective Shingo uh, Izumi. I think Izumi's the right name. Who almost died, or who's like on the edge of death. But um, he needs a easy way to get around so he can help um, manipulate Eiji or use Eiji, whatever, um, to get more core metals and cell metals for himself. And then there's Hina who's uh, Shingo's sister, who, um, for some reason, she's incredibly strong, uh, but we don't know why, and I, anyway, it's, it should be interesting to see how that develops. Um, will she, uh, you know, be attacking monsters, helping in fights? Who knows, but maybe. I mean, she could lift a vending machine, no problem. And then all those weights that um, uh, the Couscousier uh, restaurateur lady uh, had set up on her door with the, uh, like, blocking people from applying, I guess, which is pretty weird. But, uh, yeah, there you have it. The dynamic between the three of them looks like it could be fun, but I expect it to get uncomfortable because she thinks that Ankh is Shingo, um, and I think she's she probably should discover that pretty soon unless he um, starts acting the part. But um, I, maybe it's to build tension, maybe it's to build drama. I'm not really sure, but she had a quick interaction with Eiji where you know, she was nice and stuff and uh, nothing really with Shingo yet except for this thing at the end of the episode, but we don't get to see that fully develop. So who knows what that could turn into throughout the show. The greed are much harder to characterize. Um, they're monsters who want to, who will wantingly hurt humans to rebuild themselves and get their bodies back. Oh, and when they do that, they want to consume the world, which if you consume the world, where will you live? Um, I wonder. Domination of the world makes sense to me, but consuming and destroying the world, not so much. And another faction, the third faction we have here, is the Kogami people. There's Kogami, which is the guy in the red, um, the happy birthday Subarashi guy. And then there's Goto, his, the only guy left of the ride vendor squadron. And then there's Satonatka, I believe is what her name is. Um, and she's like an assistant, uh, like a secretary to Kogami. But she's pretty close to him because she gets to see all the crazy weird stuff that he's doing. And I haven't really gotten to see uh, what their dynamics are all going to be together. So I can't really judge on them. Um, although Goto... Um, just seemed kind of funny that he was giving over uh, stuff to to O's, but I wonder if he's relieved because, like, all his crew got wiped out. Like, they all died, and he's taking it very much in stride, which is a little strange. But that's how it goes in fiction. Luke, when his aunt and uncle died and when Ben died, he's like, you know, a couple minutes later in the movie, he's ready to move on. And I must move on now to talk about design because I believe Combinator O's has fantastic design. So there's kind of a lot of elements. Uh, you've got the metals. There's the core metals. There's the cell metals. They repeat each other. Um, there's this interesting sarcophagus that all the uh, greed are sealed in. It has like the O's driver built into it. And it has a representation of the O's driver like as the whole lid of the thing. Um, I don't know who came up with the mechanics for how the greed work, but it's interesting. They work on people's desires. They find someone who has a lot of desire. A slot forms in their head magically. They're able to throw a cell metal in there. And then out of that is formed a yummy, which serves its own purpose and does some stuff for them. The yummy basically acts out the person's desire by consuming in some way. Pursuing and then uh, once they find it, consuming the object of that person's desire. And then as the... Uh, Yummy. As the yummy's doing that, it generates more cell metals somehow. Um, I guess it converts the desire into cell metals via its 
digestive system or whatever. Uh, and then that'll help the um, that'll help that yummy evolve into a more advanced form. Uh, it looks like the the one from the first and second episode turned into a bug, uh, like a mantis. Uh, yeah, praying mantis type thing because uh, Uva is a bug guy. So that's pretty cool. Um, which, by the way, the design on, on them all is really neat. I like uh, how cool it is. They've all got um, belts and, I don't know, just like chains and interesting details. And Anyway, uh, the yummies, when they've evolved into a, a more powerful, like second stage, um, they can turn into weird, weird mutant creatures, um, which is exactly what happens to... Uh, to this yummy. It was a different yummy. Hmm. That's right. It was a different yummy. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, one of them turned into the cool mantis one, and one of them turned into a giant cockroach. So, uh, then that thing started destroying a building, but, you know, that's... I'm not doing a recap. I'm just talking about the design work on those. Um, the CGI thing, it was a little bit of a mess, uh, but they always kind of are, but then again, they, you know, get to be a real showcase for uh, the hero's power. So we get to see AG do a bunch of stuff with the power of O's. I mentioned before how the design of the driver, it looks like the lid of the crypt. And I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, I like how uh, magical this belt is. Um, it's got a nice simple look to it. It's neat that it uh, tilts at a 45 degree angle for him to do the chart or the scanning on it. Uh, it's funny that it has a little metal holder on the left side. Uh, it doesn't feel like it was like a magical item, but it was designed by people. The greed were created by people, it seems. Um, or am I supposed to know that yet? I'm not sure. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, moving on to the O's suit. Uh, I love how the base color of the whole suit is black, and then there's these highlights of uh, gold. Uh, well, no. There's highlights of the yellow, the red, and the green, and how it splits up the body. And uh, I just think it's such a neat design, and... I like the fact that they kind of go all out with the powers, you know, his feet transform and, you know, light up and uh, whatever when he's doing the extra jumpy stuff with the bug legs, the grasshopper legs. Uh, and then when he's got the mantis uh, power set, he's got, you know, these blades that he can use. That's really cool. They look really good. Um, the design of them is, is it's really nice. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's like a very, very well put together design. It's very slick and uh, I really like it. Um, the, uh, well, anyway, just, I, I like it. Um, and I know it gets more complex as the show goes on. Um, but like Tatoba is a great first form. Uh, again, it's funny how little color there is in it, but how like much of an impact that color all has. Um, so that's pretty pleasing to the eye. And, uh, it's interesting. We got to see a lot more of double changing things up. I feel like than we got to see with O's, but I don't mind uh, the restraint that they used here. It still worked and it, you know, still showed off uh, the design of the suit and it just, it looks really good. Like it's honestly one of the best looking suits I've ever seen. I love those claws that he has. I wish, his, I wish he used them more <laughs> and didn't have a sword, um, but whatever. Uh, tiger claws for the win. So the Kagami Foundation wants to do something with the cell metals, if not with the core metals, and they've developed a sort of infrastructure where they have all these little uh, helper robots, and they have these vending machines, you know, like with the ride vendors, they popped cell, metal, cell metals into those machines, and then they turned into motorcycles, which is kind of neat. Um, I like how simple and slick the design is for, like, the cans. 
that the uh, like the Octocan and the you know Taka Can or whatever that the octopus and hawk um, little robots are in. Like they're kind of cool. Um, it reminds me of like the disc animals from Hibiki uh, a little bit, and uh, I think it's kind of neat. It's a neat idea. They do some weird stuff with them in this uh, in the second episode, um, but I really find it uh, fun that uh, Kagami had developed this sword for O's. And also, uh, you know, he has Goto go and give him, um, you know, instruct him about how the, the those vending machines work so he can get a motorcycle out of him anytime he needs. And uh, he seems to be pretty tickled by that age he does. Um, pr- pretty impressed by it, too. And it is pretty impressive. The design on it's on the bike's interesting. Um, I find it more interesting that it, you know, is a transformer. Um, and then it has the cans inside of it and whatever, which, anyway... I don't know if people order actual drinks out of those or, or how that works, but it doesn't really matter, does it? So my overall impression of Comrade O's is very positive. Um, and I'm going to say, well, the show feels a little weird. Um, I'm trying to think back to Ryuki. Didn't that feel a little disjointed or like the like it was more of a long play, like the whole story was going to unwrap a lot more slowly or unroll itself a lot more slowly. I kind of feel like that might be the case with O's. Like there's a lot of character dynamics I don't see, won't understand just yet. Um, and and that's okay uh, because what's there hooked me. Um, I got to say, it's interesting that Ankh is a villain uh, who's being paired with Eiji and how like evil he is, how, how much... How little regard he has for human life, and it would be interesting to see over the course of the series how much that changes, because I would expect being with people all the time, it should change, and especially if, uh, you know, Hana, or Hina, thinks that he's her brother Shingo, like, you would think they would have some sort of relationship develop, and that would help to change his outlook on life, so that's my hopes for the series based on uh, these first two episodes, but... Uh, what really hooked me uh, is Eiji and how loving and kind and uh, strong and brave he is because uh, he basically puts his life in peril and allows himself to almost die, even to the point of not transforming uh, until he gets, you know, while he's falling through the air towards the ground, you know, to his death uh, because he wants to secure from Ankh uh, the permission, the right, a promise, whatever, uh, to use the power of O's to help people and to save people, not exclusively for the purpose of um, harvesting cell metals to help Ankh. Uh, And, you know, he stands up against the mantis, uh, yummy, or whatever, uh, because he, you know, had known that officer and that arm thing from this morning. So, like, he wants to help Ankh. He wants to be good to Ankh. But uh, he's not going to, he's not naive and stupid enough. I mean, he's naive enough to uh, instantly want to protect. That's actually not naive. That's, um, he has moral clarity is the truth of the matter. And uh, I I don't think that kind of moral clarity in this day of, uh, you know, punching Nazis and how everybody's a Nazi and all that crap. uh, Like, it just, that's shocking. I'm... I'm surprised more of the uh, left-leaning Togo community hasn't rejected Eiji because of, you know, him wanting to help anybody and everybody. Um, uh, look, honestly, I know uh, I have disagreements with people on how Ankh turns out in O's because I've seen the whole show. And um, 
I don't understand the love for Ankh, uh, especially with what kind of character he is. And uh, anyway, I, I, I don't want to break format too much, but um, it's just interesting and ironic how much people love villains, but then uh, seek to vilify people who are otherwise innocent of <laughs> actual uh, literal crimes, uh, even if their uh, opinions or way of thinking is stupid and erroneous and uh, full of uh, fallacies that can easily be corrected by them being exposed to people with better ideas who engage them and talk to them and help them see the error of their ways. Anyway, uh, that's a, a huge tangent that I probably should delete, but I'm not going to. Anyway, Comrade O's, good stuff. Very interesting, very exciting, very poppy and dynamic. And uh, I would love to watch more of the show. Spoilers, I watched the rest of the show uh, a couple years ago, and I really liked it. So, you know, good on O's, good debut, and uh, overall good show. Really liked it. Uh, and that's all I have to say. You can find more of my work on mjmunoz.com. That's where I have everything backed up. Uh, if you're listening to this in the audio-only version, uh, that's where it came from. I don't know where you got the RSS, but that's great. I'm glad you did. Check out mjmunoz.com for more. And I do a podcast about a bunch of other stuff um, and reviews and writing and all sorts of things. Uh, but if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, please help me uh, to grow the channel. I really want to grow the channel. So like, share, uh, comment. All that engagement really helps, and uh, if you want to for your benefit, if you really enjoy my work, you can subscribe and hit that notification bell so that you get a notice every time an episode comes out. And of course, the more engagement I get, the better, uh, I guess, YouTube is going to respond with that for you. So, And apparently, even if you're uh, getting notifications, they won't always come through. So anyway, um, if you enjoyed, help me out. I would love that. I really do want to make this a, a bigger thing than it is currently. Um, but uh, anyway, thank you for spending your time with me. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, be well.